Good morning. It is certainly a pleasure uh, to be here with you. And, and you could tell when I was playing that I was really smiling as well. <laughs> because it's, it was I was living in the past in a way. Um, when I was here for, for many years and playing here, it was a joy. And I would say that this church now is like my church because um, in Haiti I went to a church for many, many years. That was my church. And I think in Canada, this is the church that I've been uh, the longest. So this is my church. And I'm so glad that I'm always welcome here as this is you know, your place. Come and be with us. So I'm so glad to see so many faces that I haven't been able to see in, in quite a while. And, 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 and it is really a pleasure for me and my wife to be here. And the boys, they are still in Nova Scotia. Um, you've seen them if you've looked at the video that they are no longer the, the little boys, but they, they are big guys. And I guess with my gray hair, that means I'm getting older, hopefully wiser. <laughs> okay, so... Um, I'd like to invite you to open your Bible to you know, Luke chapter 19. I will read only verses 28 to 40. After, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden, untied and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw the cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where he, the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This is a very interesting passage and I remember one time I came here about a month or so ago, and Pastor James, he was talking about this passage as, as showing some really ridiculous points. And, 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 and in, in the sense that this is not how the world operates. And I really appreciate that. And I, let's say a little bit more about that. Because when you look at the world, the way it operates, what do we hear? We hear of wars. What do we hear? We hear of 
forces of arms. We hear of pushing others away so that you can take their place. You hear of defending, standing up for yourself. So we have different places that we could, we could put in opposition to one another. We could say empathy versus no, that's not my problem. Or humility versus power. Or even compassion. Or no, doesn't make anything to me. Um, I would disregard that. Or meekness. Or love versus hate. And I remember looking at this movie, and I'm sure you've seen it as well. It's a very important movie, 1986. Um, it's called The Mission. And there is a, a line in this movie from one of the priests talking to another one. So you have two priests. One, he was all about meekness, humility, love for the people in the mission where they were working amongst the, the, the nations and the people where they were, the first nations of the place where they were. So he converted another person who was all about arms and fight. And this person converted to Christianity and he wanted to be there with the priests in his beautiful mission. But the Portuguese, they wanted to come and conquer with the church as well. So at the end, you have this priest who is so humble and he is walking with the First Nations people and they are being killed. But he said something to the other person he converted to uh, Christianity. He said, if might is right, then love has no place in this world. If might is right, then love has no place in this world. It may be so. It may be so. But I don't have the strength to live in a world like that. So when we look at the news today, what do we see? We see wars. We see people pounding on others. Sometimes I sit on the subway and you see people struggling and others just don't care. That's not my problem. I should not help you. That's your world. I'll, I'll continue to be glued to my cell phone. So the world we live today in a world that is about, it seems, might. About me. About my power. About my rights. About my privileges. About my life. About my success. It's all about me. Me. So when we look at this passage, really, it is always, it is, all, it, it is as if it is really ridiculous. The whole thing seems to be very ridiculous. Because what do we have in such a passage? We have a mule. We have someone who is sitting on a mule. We have someone approaching a city. We have poor people. Praising God. But this is it. And this is, this is the beauty and the mystery of it. 
what appears to us as weakness, what appears to us as ridiculous, what appears to us as that does not make much sense in the violent world we live in, this is actually what Christ wants to teach us. Because what we have here is a lesson on a different kind of world, a different kind of priorities, a different kind of looking at the structure of the world and upsetting the structures of the world and making something different, not from hate, but from love, not from war, but for peace. It's about poetry, it's about music, it's about beauty, it's about love, it's about salvation, it is about renewal, it is about new creation. This passage, I find, is extremely important for us to understand what happened there and what can happen today as we are in the world proclaiming the kingdom of God. So what do we have here? We have a, a mule. In the ancient world, and in this world as well, if we're talking about conquering the world, it's not about conquering the world with a mule. But it is about conquering the world with horse, with a horse. It is a, a mule as opposed to a horse. So when the Romans would go, they would conquer the world with horses. And you would have a conqueror, a general conqueror, coming back home on a chariot, standing on a chariot, and behind the general, you would have the conquered peoples. They would be devastated. They would be behind the conquered, the conqueror, the general standing on the chariot. And then people would praise him. Yes. And he would, he would proclaim the Pax Romana. That is the peace of Rome, which comes really by killing, by death. This is what you would have. In this setting, what we have we do not have a conquering general. In this setting, we don't have a horse. In this setting, we don't have a chariot. In this setting, we don't have conquered peoples. In this setting, we don't have people cheering for a big general because it, all, it is all about the peace of Rome. What do we have instead? We have a mule. What do we have instead? We have not a general standing up, but someone sitting on a mule. What do we have instead? We don't have conquered peoples, but we have the poor proclaiming God's grace. And talking about blessed is the name of the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And if you look close, it talks about 
peace. So it is a different kind of peace. And it is about proclaiming a, a year of salvation, a year of jubilee, a year of deliverance to the poor people of the world. So the message of, 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 of Christ is about not we are the one, not we are the great ones. It's really about a message of proclaiming peace to those who do not have anything. It is a message that would resonate, that would call on to the poor of Haiti, to the poor of Calcutta, to the poor, to the people suffering now in Ukraine, to the refugees, to the immigrants, to those who are totally without anyone standing up for them. Something happened to me this week, and I saw this man, he is on the subway, and he's asking for money. And, and I gave him just a little bit, and he said, thank you, brother. That touched me. Thank you, brother. He was a black person as well. It's just that God has blessed me to be where I am, but I don't think that I'm special. I think that what we have is just a gift for us to share with others. Whatever we have, it might be music, it might be being able to play basketball, it might be being able to cook, it might be being able to sing. Whatever we have, it is a gift that we received from God, not to proclaim that we are better, not to proclaim that we are going all the way up there and we are stepping on others, but we are using whatever we have in order to we are using whatever we have in order to bless whoever is with us, whoever is uh, close to us, whoever we, we are privileged to serve. Whether we are a teacher, whether we are working as a driver, whether we are a mother, whether we are a sister, our work is not about proclaiming destruction. It is about proclaiming peace. Blessed is the name, is the one, is the, is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed are the peacemakers. So when we hear these words, it is always in my in, in some it, it may be in some people's mind that this could have happened or mattered in a different world, but not in our world. Because we need to be tough. I remember my dad, he asked my mother at one point, what's wrong with this boy? He said, you know, he is all into music, reading, and he's not strong. What's wrong with this boy? He's, he doesn't have girlfriends. What's wrong with this boy? 
because the, the, the understanding of a black, macho, Caribbean man, and he was big and he was very strong. For him, I was a dis disappointment. Always reading, playing the violin, who does that? But what I tried to do as a dad is actually to instill in my boys a sense of love. And I would have them sit on my lap and they still kiss me on the cheek when, they, when we meet. Because we need to invert how the world operates. Instead of giving a sense of macho, strong, men don't cry. We need to give a sense of vulnerability, a sense of understanding, a sense of love, a sense of people who are desolate, desperate. They can come and sing of the beauties of the Lord. Why are these people singing? Why are these people proclaiming that Jesus, he is the one? It is because he is the one. He is the one who healed them. He is the one who talked to them. He is the one who sat and ate with them. This week, I met with Pastor James and we had meal. One of the best things about Christian fellowship, it is about eating together and I love eating. So it is about proclaiming the kingdom of God while sharing a good shawarma. So Jesus, what he's doing here, he is going to these people and he's proclaiming life. And he's proclaiming a year of jubilee to these people. So maybe three or four things I'd like you to remember. The call. What is our call? The first one is a call of humility. A call of humility. This whole passage is a call of humility. It is not about taking the horse. It's not about taking this high ground. But it is about taking the lower ground. It is about looking at the community's well-being. The well-being of the other and not yourself. It is about turning the lens away from you and to others. Wow. And, 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 and in Philippians, Paul's talk about Jesus coming down. And taking the form of a what? Of a slave. And in Mark, Jesus said that I came not to be served, but to serve. And to give my life as a ransom for many. So the call is a call for humility. Who is up for that? That Lord I want to be where you want me to be. I want to serve in any capacity where you want me to serve. 
I usually don't like to present myself as a professor. I like to call myself. When someone asks me, what do you do? I am a teacher. I'm a teacher. I'm a learner. I'm not professing anything. I'm a teacher. <laughs> I want to teach. I want to learn. I want to be humble enough to learn from everyone. The call is a call for humility. And know that in the eyes of a four-year-old, in the smile of an infant, you can learn something about God's soul, God's love, God's passion. A call for humility. I hope that after today, you will take some time to reflect on that. And says, where am I boasting myself? And why am I boasting? As if whatever I had was not a gift given to me. So there is no reason to boast. Because everything that I have is actually given to me as a gift. And everything I have needs to be placed in the service of others. So, a call to humility. The second one is a call to advance God's agenda. A call to advance God's agenda. Jesus is about God's agenda. And as he's in entering into Jerusalem, he is advancing God's agenda for him. And my agenda needs to be lined up with God's. I remember when I was living here, I, was, I, I saw this position in Nova Scotia, St. Francis Xavier University. It was a nine-month contract. So we had a place here, my wife had a job here, and, but I felt this is what I need to do. And I felt that, that God was calling me to do that. And we left everything. And we went to Nova Scotia. And there I was able to, to help a church struggling to find a pastor, another one struggling to, to, to find a pastor. We did what we, we, we were called to do. And I felt that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Not me. Not what I want. But what God wants. And many times we have kids, and I have kids. I want them to do this thing so that they can have a secure future. But what does God want for them? Have you ever asked yourself, look, God, I'm here, 22 years here. What do you want of me? What is your agenda for my life? So the calling is to say, God, what is it that you have in place for me? Early on, I was about 15 years old. I knew that my calling was about two things. 
teaching and preaching. And I have a journal that I have kept for about 20 or 30 years. At one point, I could see in my journal that I was struggling and I cried and I accepted it again later on in my life. Teaching and preaching. This is, these are my gifts. I can preach, I can teach, I can play the violin a bit. But God has called me to do these things. Ask yourself this question. Seriously, God, what is your calling on me? Doesn't have to be a missionary in China. It might be to be a teacher and work with these kids. It might be to be a worker and work with these guys. But Jesus is doing the very heart of God and is going within the agenda of God, but something is happening. These people around him, they are doing something great, but they are doing it in a spirit that is not of God's agenda for Jesus. If you look at the text closely, you will see that they are proclaiming Jesus as king, and they want him to do what? To be going and push the Romans out. They want him to establish God's kingdom here in a way that they can see it clearly that the Romans are not around anymore. That we can praise God here in, on our land and we can do our stuff without having the Romans around. Without having to have these guys representing the Romans around. Without having to do all these things and pay these guys heavy taxes. No. We want Jesus to do it. And Judas, he wants that. And there was a zealot, Peter, he wanted that. They wanted to get and fight and get money and push Jesus so that he would proclaim himself to be king. And these people, they wanted Jesus to go because they saw gifts in him. Many felt disappointed, as my dad was disappointed with me. Where's the strength, man? Where's the power? Where are the miracles? All the gifts you have. Why don't you do something for us? Why don't you go and get rid of these people? Establish the kingdom of God now. Even John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, he was a little bit disappointed. He was a little bit surprised. He was a little bit nervous. He did not know what was Jesus about. Man, come on. And he sent, John the Baptist sent his disciples to Jesus, inquiring about, are you really the one? Because we're not seeing anything here happening. And what did Jesus say? Jesus makes reference to the year of Jubilee. 
the poor, they hear the good news. The lames, they are able to walk. Those who are mute can speak again. The year of Jubilee is here. And people are hearing the good news of God here and now. Things are changing already. The walls of separation, they are being broken already. So this is what Jesus is doing. He's already establishing heaven on earth. Breaking up the barriers between black and whites and this and that. And he is doing that already. It's not our political agenda, whether it's conservative or, or liberal or left or right. That's not what Jesus is about. Jesus is about re 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 reconciling us to the Father. About giving us peace. A peace that is different from what the world is giving. So our third call then. So the first call is a call to humility. The second one is a call to proclaim, to, 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 to advancing God's agenda here. But the third one, and I've been saying it all along, is a call to proclaim God's jubilees, God's year of jubilee. And this is what Jesus is doing. And the text that we see here is that the people, they are proclaiming Jesus coming and they are saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So the year of Jubilee is about serving the broken the broken, main, serving those who are broken. It is, it is about proclaiming God's justice in this world that is very unjust. It is about compassion, dignity, meekness, empathy in this world. It is about serving, loving, helping, Caring. It is about turning this awful earth into heaven. It is about still playing beautiful music. It is about taking the time to walk in nature. It is about taking the time to pray. It is about Taking the time to be human again. It is about taking the time to love again. It is about to take the time to slow down again. It is about taking the time to be unknown. It is about to take the time to walk rightly with God. This is the call. When the world goes as it is going, we need to go back to God. 
And Jesus, this is exactly what Jesus did. As the world was going in such a, an awful direction, he saw what was happening. He knew what was coming. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. If you only knew the time you were visited. I visited Ukraine and it is really heartbreaking. And so many places where you go, you never thought that anything would happen to that place. But this is it. And even in our own country, some of the brokenness, some of the tensions that we went through in this time of pandemic. But our response is not to stand up with the right, with the left, with the center, with whatever. It is to stand up with God, with justice, with the kingdom of God, and proclaim humility and proclaim the kingdom of God, and proclaim a year of jubilee, a salvation for us, for all. So the text that, is, that, that this is coming from is Psalm 118, and I'll close there. Because this is where you have, blessed is the one who comes. And the psalm starts with, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. So you see, it is about love. It is about love that endures forever. That Jesus comes in love, with love. God so loved the world. Jesus John 13, 11, it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. And then this is what is happening. He is entering into the city. He knows what will happen. And he loved his own until the end. Brothers and sisters, my friends, let us pray so that God can help us to love and take away hatred in our hearts. It's so easy to hate. So easy to hate the other side. So easy to hate the other person. So easy to hate the one who hates you. But what's the benefit to only love those who love you? Love God. Love your enemies. Love. So, I will conclude. We need to go with the donkey very slow and not with the horse very powerful. We need to sit with God and not run with the world. We need to enter into the kingdom of God with him and praising him 
with those who are at the margins of society, the poor, those with no voices. And wherever God places you, he places you there for a particular reason, for his kingdom. For me, it is at the university. For you, it might be at the bank. For you, it might be at the, at the grocery store. It might be anywhere. But we need in humility to accept what God has in store for us and for the world. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for what you have done for us and what you are continuing to do for us and through us. Continue to guide us and continue to bless us, we pray in Christ's name.